Here in Ashland, we have had some amazingly beautiful days. Well, actually, just the past couple days, but it's been great because the sun has been shining and the sky has been blue. I don't know about you, but when that is true, I have to admit I simply feel better. Um, I actually took the covers off of our patio furniture and uh, spent some time just sitting out there and letting the sun hit me, even though it was only 55 degrees. So I hope you're enjoying good weather wherever you are. And if nothing else, that you feel the warmth of our dear Lord's presence. Let me pray. Father, <clears throat> this little tribe, we come together because we want to experience more of you. And we ask in your grace that you would pour out your presence upon us. You've been so good to us, even in the midst of trials and storms. I pray, Lord, that whatever I say that is of you, that it will go deep into our hearts and that everything else will just blow away like dust in the wind. I ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. So <clears throat> there are some things in life I just simply can't relate to, and one of them is being wealthy. Well, yes, in, in terms of global economy, there is no question that Sherry and I are able to have a comfortable existence where we are able to handle our bills and have what it is that we need, and we are very, very grateful. But I bring this up because I was reading the news, and I see that there's this wide receiver who is going to get a one-year contract to play football for $18 million. I can't even fathom that. And then recently a golfer won the Masters and he earned millions of dollars and CEOs make hundreds of millions of dollars over their lifetime. And you go on and on and on and I, I just can't wrap my head around that. I mean, what would it be like to travel wherever you wanted, purchase whatever it is you desired. It's just something I can't comprehend. And I'm not bringing it up because I envy it, although I'm sure I could daydream a little bit about having more money. But I bring it up because I want to contrast that notion with the kingdom of God. The kingdom of God is just, frankly, an upside-down kingdom. There's hardly any other way to talk about it because what is often valued in the world is simply not valued in the kingdom of God or it's valued in a completely opposite way. So, for example, in the kingdom of God, Jesus tells us it's not how many people serve you that matters, but it's the people you get to serve. It's not about how much you get, the income that comes to you, or the finances or the power. It's about how much you give. It's not about whether or not you are noticed as someone important. It's about whether or not you notice people and make sure that they know that they are important. It's, it's just a completely different set of values. And the amount of time that 
the news and media spins showing us, if you will, another way, I think it's important for us to call ourselves back from time to time and recognize that God, in fact, in our Lord, has a, a, another set of expectations for us. You know, in John chapter 10, Jesus, our Lord, writes these words, the thief, he comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I have come that you may have life and have it to the full. And there are translations that say that I have come that you might have life and have it abundantly. And there are definitely these words that come up, the idea of abundant life. 1 John 3, God loves to love you in a lavish way. And then today, I want to focus on the book of Jude. Just part of the introduction and then something that comes at the end. And as you know, it's only one chapter. But the writer of the book of Jude, Jude, he says these words in chapter 2, mercy, peace, and love be yours in abundance. See, God wants us to have abundance. He wants us to have more than enough. He wants our cup to overflow, not only as a statement of love to us, so that in the overflowing, we're able to turn and bless somebody else. But I'm, I'm really captured here by these three words, these three desires that Jude has for us. And the first is that we would have mercy in abundance. That's, wow, I need mercy in abundance. Mercy is the concept that God does not give us what our behavior deserves. That yes, there are consequences to things we do that we shouldn't be doing or things we're not doing that we should be doing. And yet what God tells us in Christ, again, back to that notion of the cancel culture, is that he'd prefer to give us mercy. And that it's his mercy that leads us to repentance. And what God is saying to you today and saying to me is, I extend mercy to you in abundance. More than enough. Lavish. I, I don't know how to equate it. It's, it's like I was thinking about this uh, wide receiver that's going to make $18 million. What is that, a million and a half dollars a month? I can't imagine a paycheck of a million and a half dollars per month. But now let's equate that with mercy, and it's that kind of abundance, more than enough. You can't outspend the mercy of God. Of course, remember that that degree of mercy, when truly received in abundance, it translates into a changed life that we want, yet again, to live the way Jesus lived, to walk the way of Jesus the way Jesus walked the way. And then, then he goes on and he says that he wants us to have peace in abundance. 
this is this is good. Uh, this is important. Again, this this picture of lavishness, abundance, more than enough, something you almost can't calculate. And Jude writes that he wants us to have peace in abundance. It's like that passage of scripture in Second uh, Thessalonians three. May the Lord of peace give you peace at all times and in all ways. Peace, that internal shalom, that we're right with God. There's no war between us with God, uh, us and God, and we're at right with other people, and we're okay within ourselves that there is a peace. Do you realize that no one million and a half dollars a month can give us peace? It might give you new cars and new houses, but it won't give you peace. And yet God says, I want to give you that in abundance. And then he goes on and he says, I hope you have love in abundance. This, this is where it really becomes something that is utterly transforming. God is love. Every expression of love is a reflection of God. And the writer says, I want you to have that abundantly. And he's not talking about this as though it's a concept. He's talking about it as an experienced reality. That we know that we are loved. That we can turn to our Father and actually ask the question, am I loved? Do you love me? And then open our hearts to feel that love, to experience that love, to anticipate that love. You see, I don't want to get caught up imagining what it would be like to win a large or even a small lottery or to have a contract that gave me a million and a half dollars a month. I want to get caught up in what it means to live in the lavishness of God's generosity, in the fact that he gives us mercy and peace, and love in abundance. Now that's mine, and that's yours. And I think we should think about that. And it's very practical. I mean, do you ever begin to rehearse all the mistakes you've made, or you begin to consider something that you've said wrong or done wrong and begin to get anxious about that and yet be able to turn to Christ and recognize that he's measured up on our behalf and he wants to not only forgive us but to extend a generous mercy. And that when our insides get in a knot, that he wants us to experience peace even in the midst of difficulty. And when we're wondering about our own value, that we can begin to experience this love that is ours in Christ Jesus. There's something about this, I think, that has really captured my attention. I hope it does yours. It calls me back to how different, how counter, how upside down the kingdom of God is when it comes to the issues of value and how it defines terms like abundance. There's this beautiful doxology that comes at the end of the book of Jude, and it puts all the focus right on God. It says this, 
to him who is able to keep you from stumbling and to present you before his glorious presence without fault and with great joy. Now, now hear this. He's not saying you better work and not stumble and you better show up without fault and be really happy about it. He says, this is something that God wants to do for us. He'll be at work at this to make these things true. And then he says, to the only God, our Savior, be glory, majesty, power, and authority through Jesus Christ, our Lord, before all ages now and forevermore. What he's saying is all of these good things, even this in this benediction, of not stumbling, being presented without fault, of having joy, is the work of God. Not my work. It's his work. It's part of what it means that Jesus said, I've come to give you an abundant life. I know the world gnaws at us and is trying to rob us of these things. But I think today would be good for you to recognize. Good for me, for sure. Definitely good for me that I am a very, very wealthy man in kingdom terms because I have access to the abundance of God's grace that in this case pours out as mercy, peace, and love. May you today rest in the mercy of God, experience the peace of God, and feel the love of God lavishly.